Welcome to the C12 Podcast. C12 is a college and young adult ministry where 20-somethings at 12 Stone Church gather on Thursday nights. We hope you are encouraged and guided by today's message. All right, what's up, C12? How are we doing tonight? Doing good? Hey, I thought I'd kick off, uh, just start jumping in right away tonight by just going on a little bit of a nostalgic journey, maybe a little bit. Um, how many 90s babies we got in the room? Okay. How many uh, 2000s? <laughs> this is where you're like, you know, you weren't even born when 9-11 happened. You're after. This is history for you. Um, I want to throw up just a couple things, uh, maybe more than a couple on the screen, just to maybe bring back your childhood, uh, maybe just for a second, go on a little nostalgic journey, if you will. Everybody remember Blue's Clues? Let's never forget the 25th anniversary. It just really touches the heart. All right, let's go on. Next one. Uh, we have actually a lot of pictures to go through. Uh, who remembers the Reese's Puffs commercial? Yeah. You better start singing the rapper right now. Yeah, all the white kids were like, uh, This is like the OG fidget spinner right here. They, they don't know. Kids today don't know, man. I had a number two pencil and a ruler. I was whacking that thing around. <laughs> let's go on to some of Lincoln Logs. Yes. Come on, we all had Lincoln Logs. That was my favorite thing. Whoa. The, uh, this was like, this was like, uh, this was back in the day when you're taking pictures of your favorite food. You're at your restaurant, you know, and you're like, ha, ah, salmon salad, healthy. And now we're uh, just posting everything else but that. All right, next one. Oh, right. All right, who, we all agree in this room that the left is, Black and blue, and the right is white and gold. All right, I almost forgot my colors in my head, too, so I'm glad we can move on from that one. We have the great debate of what color the dress is. <laughs> I can't leave it there. We gotta, we gotta move on. We gotta move past that one. Oh, yes. Yep, we went from, this is our modern day communion, apparently. <laughs> we don't take it. This is what we do these days. Tide Pod Challenge. Well, remember that was a thing. Heelys. Who owned a pair of Heelys in here? Yep. There was the one thing, the one shoe my mom wouldn't buy. So I had the Adidas with the four stripes. I wasn't allowed the Heelys. Yeah, I was super bummed. Webkins. Wow. All right. We had a lot more people than Webkins. I never heard of that until like just a while ago. Uh, let's go to the next one. Oh, yes. Who remembers this? Nobody. Okay, we got a couple. This was back in the day. We have to, you know, sign up an account for everything or have your email. Like, just, I want a free soda just with a cap. I don't want you to steal my information. Uh, next one. <laughs> the Windows, Windows pinball. Back when Wi-Fi wasn't a thing. Back when you just kind of had internet at your house. Dial up. All right, let's go to the next one. We have quite a few. It's the modern-day fidget spinner. I remember when I was a student pastor out in uh, South Dakota, all these kids had them. And they, it was like they just started handing them out like they're candy. And then they're like, well, I have ADHD, and that's why. I'm like, I don't know that that's the real reason. But uh, if that's what it is, then that's what it is. But, hey, we all have some things when you take a look at what was maybe in your childhood. It's just like a little bit of a nostalgic journey. It's just, and nostalgia just has a way of, of bringing up all the emotions, doesn't it? makes you happy, makes you kind of remember your childhood a little bit, makes you feel warm and fuzzy, maybe it brings back 
good memories of what you appreciate about you growing up. But nostalgia just brings a little bit of a hint of sadness, doesn't it? It's like, oh, the, the, the things that I used to have, I don't have anymore. And the way that life used to be, it's not the way that it is anymore. It can make you sad because life just seemed to seem so easy back then. Like life was just so much more simple. Now it's more complicated. Like young and adulting is, it's hard. Like college is just stressful. Trying to be a follower of Jesus in this world is just like super complex and trying to figure out what to do with my life is so difficult. Now all of a sudden relationships are just super messy and then throw family dynamics in the mix. Like nothing is easy like it used to be. Don't you feel like at times, go ahead and raise your hand. Don't you feel like at times that life just used to be easier than what it is right now? Like life just used to be a lot more simple than it is right now. And life seems like it's a lot more complicated. It feels like we just get sad about the things that we used to have and what we used to do. And what do you do when you lost the things that you used to love? What do you do when you have this kind of nostalgia feeling of, oh man, those were the good old days. That's what I really wanted. That's what I used to love. Maybe the last two years, there's a lot of things that were taken away from you, things that you used to love. Maybe COVID took away a lot of opportunities for you. Maybe you've lost your ability to dream for your life. Maybe you've, over the last two years, you've lost friendships that you wish you could have kept. Maybe you've lost loved ones due to tragic accidents or illness, or maybe you've lost time on things that you wish you could have done. See, when you spend so much time taking a lot of losses, it can lead to you feeling like you're just a failure. Like defeat after defeat after defeat, it just feels like over and over and over again, I, just, I feel like I'm just sinking in this bigger, uh, this bigger pit of depression. It leads to hopelessness, loneliness, defeat. <laughs> you're just sad. And maybe you're picking up on the emotion that we're talking about. It's everybody's favorite, sadness. <laughs> it's the one that we usually try to avoid, the one that we don't want. We don't talk about it because it requires us to be vulnerable. And when you're sad, it doesn't feel like things are right. Like, how could God be in my sadness? How come, if I'm really sad, there's no way, this is the journey that God has for me. But Jesus himself experienced sadness. It's actually the shortest verse in the Bible. It's in John. I'll throw it up on the screen. It's literally two words. Jesus wept. <laughs> Jesus wept. You ever have like a, a problem? Like, I can't memorize scripture. I promise you, you can memorize at least one. <laughs> Jesus wept his two words. It's like a, a free space in bingo. Like, there's no way you can't not memorize it. But we shouldn't feel crazy when we feel sad because even Jesus felt sad. Jesus experienced the emotion of sadness, but sometimes sad can make us stuck. Like, we don't know how to get out of it. We don't know what to do when we're there. But I wanted to unpack the story of the death of Moses. It's in Deuteronomy 34. And I wanted to, to go over what it meant for the nation of Israel and what it meant for Joshua. Because even after the death of Moses, the story didn't end there. And if you got a Bible, you can pull it out. If you got a phone, you can pull it out on the Bible app. Maybe you want to download it. You can take a second and do that. And I'll kind of explain the context of what's going on. But see, if you're unfamiliar with the Old Testament or unfamiliar with the Bible, see, the Old Testament was, uh, um, was the Bible's broken into two Testaments, Old Testament and New Testament. And the Old Testament, God chooses the nation of Israel to bring about redemption and to bring about his plan to all the other nations. And at this time, Israel was, was in captivity. They were in captivity 
when Moses was younger. And God had appointed Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. He wanted to lead them out of captivity. And God had promised the nation of Israel that they would reach the promised land. But because of their lack of trust and because of Moses' sin, they forfeited what could have been theirs. What should have been just an 11-day journey actually ended up taking 40 years because they wandered about in the wilderness forever. And it's because of the lack of trust and the results and the consequences of Moses' sin. And by the way, there, there, there are, I think sometimes we understand God's grace, but there are moments where we under, also have to understand that, you know what, there are consequences to decisions that I make. And there's consequences to sin, and you see this in Moses' story. And next week, we're actually kicking off a new series called Things That Jesus Never Said. And there's a lot of things maybe that are a, a, a cultural phenomenon that we like to just call popular or maybe uh, these cultural lies or maybe these typical things that we believe about God's word, even though that's not what Jesus ever said. And one of the weeks we're going to unpack that Jesus never called you to be happy. He called you to be holy. And there's a lot of things in our life that sometimes we call normal, but God calls sin. And we familiarize ourselves with things that we shouldn't. We're going to unpack the things that Jesus never said in that season because that was true of Moses. Moses didn't get to see the promised land. And how sad is that? He got so far. And in scripture, you can see what God said. He can see the promised land, but he was never able to enter it. To get so close, yet to come up so short. And he knows it's the result of something that he did. He worked for it in his entire life, and he can't even enter it. And this is where we pick up in Deuteronomy 34. This is verse 5. It says this, And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab. As the Lord had said, he buried him in Moab, the valley opposite of Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. So let's just get a picture of what's going on. Israel's been wandering for 40 years. They just lost Moses. Moses was their leader. Moses was the one that they knew, the one that they looked up to, the one that they put their hope and trust into. And everything that they had, everything that they worked up for, everything that they saw in their leader, now he had passed, and now they're sitting on just the, the fringe of what are we going to do now? See, the leader that they love, they just lost. And you can imagine the emotional toll and the journey that this is having on the nation of Israel. But I hope if there's anything you see in this passage, I hope you understand that there was a time for mourning. There wasn't a rush to move forward. There wasn't a rush to get to the promised land. There was a time for mourning. The Israelites grieved for Moses for 30 days. There was a time for mourning. And you're either one of two people in this room. I think I really believe there's two groups of people in this room. One, you're the person who you move on and you don't mourn. Or you are the person who mourns, but you don't move on. I'll let you pick which you identify with maybe the most. And maybe you have just never given yourself permission to be sad. I want to camp out here for a little while. I want to talk to the people in the room who maybe you move on, but you don't ever mourn. And there's things that you haven't resolved in you. Maybe there's grief. Maybe there's pain. Maybe there's hurt. There's loss. Things that you've experienced over the last two years that maybe you haven't even brought to God. See, it's the things that we saw coming or maybe things that we didn't see at all. 
I don't have time in this teaching to unpack necessarily the theology of pain, but I do know that we all experience it. How many have ever experienced pain before? <laughs> Everyone's hand should be raised because we've all have endured it at some point in time. So God either allows it to happen or he's the author of it. And we live in a fallen and broken world and we all experience it on some shape or form. And whether we like it or not, pain is the forming of God doing a work in our lives. Pain is the forming of God doing a work in our lives. And being sad can bring a sense of pain. We shouldn't run from it. We shouldn't resist it. But we should learn to embrace it and to embrace our sadness. But I think one of Satan's biggest temptations, hang with me. I think one of Satan's biggest temptations is that he wants you to avoid embracing pain so that way you can find other alternative, quick and cheap options for consolation. And what do I mean by consolation? Consolation is just a soothing of pain. The quick means outside of God's timing, and the cheap just means outside of what God offers. And maybe there's ways that we like to just resolve pain that is just quick and cheap, but it's not inside of what God has in mind. Those common ways are maybe overeating, binge-watching Netflix, shopping, endless hours on social media, gaming, doing more just busy work, just house projects, things around the house, chores. See, quick, quick and cheap consolation does not resolve the issue of pain. It does not solve it. It just postpones it. See, pain doesn't have a shelf life. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Pain doesn't have a shelf life. And there's this myth that's going on in our culture where time heals all wounds. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Where do we learn to believe that? Time heals all wounds. If that's the case, then why do adults have PTSD over childhood trauma? If time heals all wounds, then if that's the case, then why do those who grow up in broken homes all of a sudden have, dad have daddy issues? Uh-oh, I went there. <laughs> If time heals all wounds, and if that's the case, then why do those who have unhealthy dating patterns suffer years later? Man, we're getting personal. <laughs> time doesn't heal all wounds. Jesus does. You don't need a substitute for your pain. You need a savior for your pain. You don't need things to fill in the gaps. You don't need cheap and quick consolation methods. You need to replace it with biblical truth. And how do you do that? Well, only those, going into number one, only those who mourn their pain will obtain God's comfort. Remember, pain doesn't have a shelf life. Just because you avoid it doesn't mean that it goes away. It doesn't vanish. It doesn't disappear. It doesn't just somehow go off into a mist. And if anything, it actually just sits deeper and it actually grows larger. See, people who choose quick and cheap consolation develop long-term pain-related symptoms. That maybe because you chose an alternative route that was on your design and on your path, now it's resulting in more anger, maybe more addiction, more bitterness, more apathy, more isolation, maybe suffering from more loneliness or more anxiety. See, in Matthew 5, 4, it says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are you who mourn. And that mourn, that word mourn in Greek, they chose the strongest Greek word to pick. It's penteo. It's the strongest word possible for mourning. It's like the, the deepest mourning that you could imagine. It's the deepest wailing. It's like losing a loved one, that type of mourning. They chose that one. Why? Because it's in your deepest pain that God brings his deepest comfort. 
And seeking God's comfort and not cheap consolation leads to an actual authentic comfort and joy. Authentic joy is found on the path to mourning. And when you don't mourn, you're left with a fake joy. You're left with just fake happiness. Maybe the phrase, well, fake it till you make it. I'll get there when I get there. A fake joy looks like riding off of emotional highs. It's just smiling at work, but you're crying at home. Fake joy looks like you're telling everyone that, well, I'm good when they ask how you're doing, even though internally you know that I'm suffering. It's compulsive decisions to make you immediately happy, and you begin the journey of just trying to find the next happy again and again and again and again. You go for low-hanging fruit that's quick and cheap, and it's outside of what God offers, and it's outside of God's timing. And when you refuse to mourn, you refuse God's comfort. When you refuse to mourn, you refuse God's comfort. Even the second thing, you can help other people in their pain, but God comforts you in your pain. When we avoid our pain, we really can't help other people. Because when we seek cheap consolation for our pain, what we end up doing is giving other people cheap answers in theirs. So they come to us just as broken, as empty as we are. And they can leave feeling defeated. They can leave feeling like nothing was accomplished. And maybe for you in the room, maybe you are just trying to figure out what it means to be a friend of someone who is grieving. Maybe someone who's sad. And how many, how many fix-it type personalities do we have in the room? Like if there's a problem, I want to fix it. I want to address something. I want to, you want to have an immediate thing right here, right now. And that's the thing. When it comes to sadness, you want to just go, hey, what can I say? What can I do? What can help this? What can alleviate this? I want you to go ahead and write this down. Just write down the ministry of presence. When you have people that are suffering, your friends, your family, what you just need to practice is the ministry of presence. You don't need to say anything. You don't need to have it all together. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I did a funeral for a family. Their son was 19 years old. And he was in the Marine Corps. Uh, was at a camp in the United States. And he actually, it's a really tragic accident. Had flown out of his vehicle. The driver just lost control. And the truck behind him ran him over. What do you do with that? What am I supposed to say to the family? I can't give cheap and quick consolation methods. I'm having conversations with the mom, and she said, well, why would God allow this to my son? Why would God do that to our family? If God is so good and he's so loving, then why would he do it? <laughs> and we just sat there, and we just asked questions, and I said, I don't know. Sometimes it's more assuring that you don't have an answer and you just say, I don't know. People aren't looking for answers. They're just looking for people that can just love them. And we just sat there and we cried. And we grieved and we mourned. And I'm not an expert on pain. I'm not a sage when it comes to this. But I do believe there's been some things that I've lost in life that has led me maybe to be in moments like this. Because people who avoid their pain actually miss a significant opportunity to be used by God. 
Look at how God comforted Paul, and look at Paul's response in this. This is in 2 Corinthians. It says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. See, God isn't comforting Paul so that way he can just feel better. God is comforting Paul so that way he can now comfort other people. That's a sobering thought. Maybe God's comfort was never about you. It was never meant to end at you. It goes on to say, so for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort. And Paul's saying it's like, if I'm comforted, it's actually for you. Because I know that if I can walk through valleys, if I can walk through pain, then I can be there for other people who are also in pain. I can be there to show the love and the hope of Jesus to other people. And now we get to the more practical piece. Well, how do I actually mourn through pain? How do I actually process through this? Well, to properly mourn, each pain must have a funeral. And I'm not talking about the funeral that you had for your fish when you were five years old. I'm not talking about the, the funeral that you had for your pet rock in middle school. I mean, I'm not talking about the one, you know, your dog died 20 years ago. Uh, when my dog had actually uh, passed away, um, I was actually given the, the task and the responsibility of uh, driving my dog to the vet to have her put down. And uh, so you can already know, like, this is just going to be a rough car ride into the vet. And she's 15 years old. She's having seizures. She's at the end of her life. But she still gives you that puppy dog eyes. How many dog people do we have in the room, by the way? Okay. Okay. How many cat people in the room? Yeah, we'll pray for you after service. There's a reason why there's a movie called All Dogs Go to Heaven, and there's not one about cats. Uh, <laughs> I just lost half the room. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I'm on the way uh, to the vet, and, and uh, I don't know if we have this song queued up or not, uh, but this was the uh, song that came on. Dog Days Are Over by Florence and the Machine came on as I'm driving my dog to be put down at the vet. Like, come on, man. We got some in the car. I'm like, just keep your composure. Keep your composure. <laughs> Don't let the dog see you cry. <laughs> see, these aren't the funerals that I'm talking about. It's not moments like that. I'm, I'm talking about the ones that you might have privately with God. I'm talking about the moments where it's, it, it, this is just personal between you and him. And there, there's, there's a cemetery within every person. There's a, just a place where things die. There's a place where all your pains just have to have a funeral. Because to resolve pain means that you have to let it die. You have to have a funeral. You have to mourn through it. True comfort and healing comes when a person invites God to the funeral. Where do you avoid sadness, hurt, and pain? Where are the things in your life that God is inviting you, hey, bring that and have a funeral and invite me there? Maybe there are things in your childhood that you grew up with that were super traumatizing and you've never dealt with it. Maybe there's things that happened years ago in college or something that happened to you specifically and it's just brought up all this trauma and PTSD and hurt and baggage and you've never actually dealt with that. You've never talked to somebody about that. Because here's a practical way to do that. 
I don't know if you journal in this room. I'd encourage you to journal. And when I say journal, I don't mean diary. I don't mean with the little, you know, rainbows and the lock on the side and uh, you're writing. And, well, today Susan threw an apple at Johnny's head and I was sad. It's not that type of, of, of <laughs> journal. When I'm talking about journaling, I mean things that you're actually processing through. There's actually stats to show that the long-term benefits of journaling actually equal to the same extent of some counseling sessions. It's crazy what the actual act of journaling can do. And in one of my journals, I type in my journal, and one of them is just called, I remember when dot, dot, dot. And inside that journal, I write all the things that I was hurt by, all the things that brought me pain, all the things that brought me trauma, all the things that brought disappointment, things that are maybe insecurities that arise, things that happened in childhood, things that happened a couple years ago, there are things that I bring to God because I know with every pain, there must be a funeral. And I'm gonna switch the script. Now I wanna talk to the second group in the room. Maybe for those, you are people who move on and don't mourn. Well, the second group, maybe you mourn, but you don't move on because we know when it comes to sadness, it's not the end of the story. Sadness isn't where it stops. Sadness isn't where you get stuck. Sadness isn't where just things come to die and things are, they're, they're all just, just packaged up and now you can't do anything more in life because we're gonna pick up with the story. It wasn't just the death of Moses and all of a sudden, well, it's all doom and gloom for the nation of Israel. Now they can't go do anything. Now there's no promised land for them to, to go obtain. Now there's nothing ahead of them because when it comes to sadness sometimes, don't you just feel like you're stuck? Sometimes when it comes to sadness, I feel like there's no vision for my future anymore. I feel like there's nothing ahead of me. I think like there's nothing I can do anymore. There's nothing that lies ahead. There's nothing that God could do. And sadness is not where it stops. Look at what it says. It goes on in Joshua. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready. If you're following along the scripture, underline that, highlight that, circle that. Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river to the Euphrates and all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and courageous. Maybe this is for you right now. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. See, this was never about Moses. It was never about a leader. It was never about a person. It was always about God. And just because they lost their leader doesn't mean that they lose all their hope because their hope wasn't placed in a leader. Their hope was placed in God. And when your hope gets placed in God, seasons come and go. And sadness is just a season, but it's not the end of the story. This is not where it all stops. Winter doesn't last forever. Sadness isn't final. Sadness is an emotion, but it's not an ultimatum. It doesn't own you. It doesn't bottle you. It doesn't package you. And sometimes we feel without hope, without vision. And we focus so much on what we lost that we can't even imagine what we could gain. I think God's invitation to you 
Maybe you've been stuck in mourning and you don't know how to move on. Maybe God's invitation to you is just saying, get ready. Get ready. Get ready for what God wants to do. God wants to do a new thing. Spring is right around the corner. God is wanting to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. God is wanting to do more in your life than you could ever dream of. I love what it says. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River. Get ready for what God has for you. And it goes on in Joshua 3. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from, be careful how you say that word, and went to the Jordan where they camped from before crossing over. Some of you guys are catching on now. All right. After three days, the, officer, the, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. How many feel like in the last two years, like I, it feels like I've never been this way before. I don't know where I'm at right now. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what it looks like for me. I don't know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do right now. Maybe this is all new to you. The season of life you're in, it's uncharted waters. You don't know where, you don't know where you're going. You don't know what God has for you. You don't know what the calling is. You, don't, you struggle with identity. You don't know where that gets placed. And I love what Joshua says. He says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves to the Lord. How you move on means by getting ready and consecrating yourselves to God. There's an act of preparation. How many, how many long distance runners do we have in here? You love to run. How many track and field stars we got in this room? Yeah, track and uh, cross country was not my uh, forte in middle school. I loved all the sprinting and I loved all the just fast paced intensity type sports. And when it came to uh, cross country, I just, I joked around the entire time. I ran, we, in our races, I'd like cut in people's backyards. I would, uh, during practice, like we wouldn't care. Like they're all doing abs. We're like throwing dodgeballs at each other. Uh, and I just thought like, well, if I'm gonna show up to a race then I'm just gonna like beat everybody, it doesn't matter. Like I'll just, I'll just run really fast. And then you got that one kid, man, he's like 5'2", and he's like 90 pounds. He's like that skinny homeschool kid that just flies past you, you know? And he wins the race, and he goes home, and he's celebrating, and they go home, and they're like Subaru with a canoe on top, and <sighs> this might be a personal one. I might know someone. <laughs> but see, he prepared, and I didn't. See, defeat happened because I didn't prepare, and he did. And there's a lot of things that I think God is inviting you into to, pre to prepare. And maybe we're constantly stuck in the cycle of defeat and sadness because we fail to prepare today for the victory that God wants to give you tomorrow. Maybe you're still stuck in what you lost two years ago that you can't even prepare for what God has for you two years from now. There is more for you. God is for you. God is with you. If God has provided before, he'll provide again. If God has healed before, he'll heal again. If God has restored before, he'll restore again. If God has moved before, he'll move again. If God has built before, he'll build again. If God has saved people before, he'll save people again. If God was working in your life two years ago, he'll work even two years from now. We're not indicative of what just this moment is and what it feels like and what it looks like because God is bigger and greater than that. And God wants to do more in your life as long as you prepare and give space and room for what God wants to do in you. Woo, it's quiet in here. I love it. Some of us need to hear this. Some of us hold on to things that we shouldn't hold on to anymore. Some of us hold on to baggage and things that actually God is asking us to release. 
There are things that you don't have to mourn over anymore. You can move on. There's a promised land ahead of you in your life. There are things that are ahead of you that God wants you to run to and claim to because he has more for you. So don't allow grieving what you lost turn to grieving the Holy Spirit. Don't allow grieving what you lost turn to grieving what God can do now. God wants to do more in you. God has more plans for your life. God has a calling over your life. God has more for you, whether you realize it or not. God wants to remove all the shame and the guilt and the condemnation. God wants to remove the shackles of sin that feel like just so in bondage you. God has more for you because he's with you and he's for you and he loves you. God is a good father. And I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what stage of sadness. And this time I'm going to invite the, the band to come up. And I don't know where you're at currently in terms of maybe there's things in your life that I've moved on from that maybe I just need to mourn. Maybe there's things that you have moved on too quickly from. There's trauma in your past. There's things that you didn't resolve. There's things that you need to address. Where have you moved on that God's calling you back to mourn? And maybe for some of you in this room, Maybe God is asking you to maybe move on from a place of mourning into just saying, hey, I want you to get ready. There's next and new in your life. I have more for you. The promised land is ahead. It doesn't stop with the death of Moses. It doesn't stop with what you lost. It doesn't stop with what you didn't have. It doesn't stop with what prayers you feel like weren't answered. It doesn't stop with the disappointments that you feel like keep holding you down. It doesn't stop with the things that keep feel like they prohibit you because there's more for you. Sadness is a season, but it's not an ultimatum. I just ask you to stand before we sing this song. And as you stand, I just wanna pray over you and pray over where you're at. All of you are in a different season of life. Maybe you're at a spot where you feel like I'm at a really good spot and I'm ready to, to move on. Maybe there's some of you that you just have to grieve things that maybe are unresolved. And so God, we just come before you. God, we ask that, Father, you would meet people right now. God, you just give them a touch of heaven. God, you give them a glimpse of your presence. It's what you promised Israel. You gave them the Ark of the Covenant, which was the physical representation of the presence of God. You gave them that. So God, I pray that you would even bring that same reminder right here, right now, God, that you would bring that reminder that your presence is right here, right now. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to fight against it. God, you want to meet us in our deepest pain, in our deepest sorrow maybe in our confusion, the places, God, where we're, we're just trying to make sense of things, the areas in our life where we feel like we don't know what's going on, but God, we just want to invite you in. So God, I pray that you come have your way, God, the next few moments, God, you move how you want to, God, you speak how you want to. You pour out, God, your Holy Spirit. It's the thing we want, it's the thing we crave. God, that's why we're here. Pray this in your name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the C12 podcast today. To stay connected with C12, make sure to follow us on Instagram at C12 Stuff. One of the best ways to get connected with others and grow in your relationship with God is jumping into a small group. To sign up for small groups, go to 12stone.com slash small groups and search college. We hope to see you next week.